0: From Relay FM, this is Download, episode 53, recorded Thursday, May 3rd, 2018, live in Austin, Texas. Horizontal Integration of Relationships. Welcome to Download, a weekly look at the most interesting stories in the world of technology and other stuff you care about. I am your host, Jason Snell, and I am recording this live in a room... With my producer Stephen Hackett. Hello. Can we give each other a high five? Yeah, that was bad podcasting. (laughs) And also, of course, our guests are here live in a room with us. Uh, My colleague from the Mac user days and a frequent podcast guest as well. It's great to be in person with Shelly Brisbane. Hi, Shelly.
1: Hi, Jason. It's great to be in person with you and welcome to my hometown.
0: It's it's uh, been a pleasure so far, and we'll continue on. It's uh, it's fun to be able to do a podcast here. Also here, um, from far away, but present
2: next to us now. It's James Thompson. Hello, hello. This is my first hotel room podcast, and yeah, I am slightly jet lagged, so I will blame that on any incoherency in my answers.
0: All right, fair enough, fair enough. It is a hotel room podcast. It's the finest. Uh, hotel room podcast you're going to listen to today. That's what I'm going to that's the guarantee I'm going to make. That's
3: a bold promise, Jason. Don't listen to this week's episode <laughs> of Connected. So yeah. like you're not recording
1: or, anything else later, are you? No, <laughs> no,
3: or, no yeah. or subnet, you know, lots of stuff. I've, oh yeah, it's that's a very, true too. It's a very busy hotel room podcasting studio.
0: Well, you know, this is what happens when you are living the podcasting life. You you do podcasts from a hotel. Anyway, let's get into it. This is a uh, a show about the most interesting stories of the week as chosen by me, And, of course, Stephen Hackett. Topic number one. So much happened this week for us to be in a hotel room talking about it. Um, T-Mobile and Sprint have announced a merger. Uh, This is not the first time they have done this, but they're trying it again. And some of them have tried to marry other carriers, but that didn't work out. So, you know, there were years of will they or won't they? It's like a sitcom plot. Uh, This proposed deal would be $26.5 billion, an all-stock merger that would put the new company just behind AT&T in size. Now, these carriers are owned by big non-American companies. Uh, The German telecom company that owns T-Mobile would end up with 42%, and SoftBank, which is Japanese and owns Sprint, would have a 27% stake. Uh, T-Mobile's chief and uh, magenta jumpsuit enthusiast we could say would wouldn't you say uh John Laguerre would be the uh, CEO of the combined company so he could still strut around on the stage with weird colored he outfits has and impeccable
3: shout- taste if that's your thing it's not my thing but if it's your thing he's uh he's king of the hill we love him because he says crazy stuff <laughs> he's he's uh, <laughs> the most unpredictable ceo in tech in fact that is the, the most...
1: most i mean that's a pretty big boast right there right? i think he's Come gotta on. be i think he's gotta <laughs> be
0: he's in the running for sure yeah. and, and that's actually one of the things that concerns me the most about this potential merger is what if john liere ends up being like more restrained because he's in charge of a bigger company I'm not sure he can handle it. Uh, Anyway, so this is going to have to be federally approved in the U.S., of course. And that could be an uphill battle. A deal like this was rejected previously by the FCC, although... Um, There's new people in charge there because it's a different administration. Um, It would reduce competition in the United States to three major carriers from the four that are there now. Although the argument is there are really two major carriers now and two minor carriers. So the argument back and forth is would this be – and this is a good place to start. For for consumers, is it better – To have another player who can keep up with AT and T and Verizon, or is it better to have a scrappy underdog like T-Mobile has been, which has been prodding the major carriers into um, following it down the path of better deals, more data, all sorts of other things, changes to plans, which is what T-Mobile's role has been up to now. So. what do y'all think? I said, y'all. Uh, Shelly, we'll start with you because, you know, it's Texas.
1: Because y'all. Yeah. Right. I mean, um, why not? Yeah. I mean, I. My distrust of concentrations goes way back, but I think there is an argument to be made that unless this happens, one of those carriers, Sprinter T-Mobile, might not be continuing in the United States. And so uh, it's interesting because I saw a headline where uh, T-Mobile wants to say, this is good for America, because that's what appeals to uh, the folks in the regulatory agencies at this point. Uh, But it, it seems like Uh, it's not necessarily going to directly benefit consumers. I think there's a very good argument that it will not and that prices will not go down. However, uh, the pressure will not be as great if there are three strong carriers or two and a half strong carriers. I don't know how it's going to come out, than if there are two strong carriers and two uh, weak ones.
0: And the argument is that with the 5G rollout expected, you know, at some point here, that these two smaller carriers might not be able to afford... The huge infrastructure investment, and it was it Sprint one of them did like that whole 4G rollout where they mm. chose a different technology yeah and, and then and then they had to backtrack and that was a huge cost to them, so like this is high stake stuff, and that if you're a smaller carrier it's that much more sort of uh, potentially dangerous to your Future uh, because you've got to make the right decisions, and do you have the money to roll out
3: the whole new infrastructure? Right. I think WiMAX will take off any day now. Just hang <laughs> in there, guys. You've got this.
0: Everybody turn off your microwaves, it's going to be fine. Uh, so, James, you are, of course, from the UK. Um, what do you think about this idea of consolidation? How, have you have you seen this and have you been bitten by this in your home country?
2: Yeah, so the UK has four operators at the moment. We've got EE, 3, O2 and Vodafone. And the EU competition people blocked a 3 and O2 merger back in 2016. Um Which might be interesting in a few years when the UK is no longer part of the EU and the EU Competition Commission is not going to be blocking these things. But yeah, I had to research who owns the various companies because it's gone back and forward. O2 started out as BT's own mobile phone network, which was sold to the Spanish Telefonica company in 2005. Then we had EE, which is a merger of... T-Mobile and Orange in 2012, which was then bought by BT in 2016 (laughs) so they could get back into the mobile phone business. Um, So when the Orange and T-Mobile merger happened... They merged their two uh, account systems together. And this messed up my account to the point where I no longer existed. <laughs> my My phone number was not recognized as being a valid phone number, although I could still top it up for about six months afterwards. And I had four goes on the phone at trying to convince them of my existence. And they said, yeah, it'll be fixed. And it never got fixed. So in the end, I literally had to move to three because nothing worked anymore. And, they were the only ones to recognize your existence. Yeah, and I, I and Three <laughs> are were this kind of scrappy underdog, and they do a lot of things like they've got a great system where I can come to the states or a bunch of other countries, and I can just I don't pay any roaming charges. So you know it was worth me going to Three for that, and I I can't see the mergers are going to be good for you know the the customers or the employees of the companies? Because usually these companies have big sort of IT infrastructure. Usually half of those people lose their jobs.
1: Yeah, I've been a customer of three of the four current US carriers. I'm a current, currently a T-Mobile customer. And all of that moving around has been occasioned by just terrible service at one place or another. And Sprint was the first one. And with, I'm not going into long personal anecdotes about my phone experiences, except to say that Sprint was really hit Specifically on customer service. Look, whatever coverage situations they had, I didn't have any problems with cu- with uh, coverage. But everybody I knew who was a Sprint customer just thought customer service was miserable, and they moved away. And Sprint actually made a fair number of improvements to customer service over time, and I've talked to people who anecdotally feel better about Sprint now than they would have at one time. T-Mobile similarly has been scrappy. They have uh, liberal streaming policies, they give you access to Netflix, Uh, even though they have data caps, there's all sorts of stuff that doesn't come under the data caps. Their customer service, with one unfortunate exception in my case, has been really good. The people that I've dealt with have been really good, and I, you know, it was a no-brainer to move away from AT&T, because AT&T is like the cable company of phone companies in terms Mm of your interaction with it. And so, yeah, I I don't feel like this merger, even between two scrappy underdogs, is going to make that resulting company uh, any more awesome than it is right now.
0: Yeah, and we talk about four carriers, but the truth is, I was thinking about this in the context of my cable company, because I have... Uh, Comcast, and it's literally the only way I can get fast internet. So there's no competition for fast internet in my neighborhood right now. And so I I have no choice, and they'll just do whatever they're going to do, and I'll just accept it. Um, The problem is that depending on where you live or where you work or where you move on a regular basis between places... You probably have, depending on you know the geography, you probably have places that you can't get service from some of the carriers, and that leads to you. That narrows your choice right there. Like for me, I literally have no choice. I it is the cable company of carriers. AT and T is the only uh, cellular carrier that works reliably at my house. And so people I know with Verizon come over and they try to use their phone and they're like, uh, can I get on your Wi-Fi? Because there's nothing. So so having four gives you a better chance of having at least a couple that are viable contenders for you. And having three is going to cut that back, even if their networks are, are improved because yeah. they're merged.
3: I was going to say that argument is two sides of a coin, right? That maybe together they could build out where it you know, supports your neighborhood. But all that's... I think the problem with this discussion is all that is so hard to predict right they could go through with this and you know they're gonna be roughly the same size as a t and t a little bit more revenue few fewer subscribers, but it may be that you know like you said, maybe they have really bad customer support issues or they have trouble merging their technology and it all falls like it's so hard to predict and uh you know i don't I don't really know how I feel about it personally, but I think if they if it moves forward it will be A very interesting thing to keep an eye on.
0: I feel like less hungry, too. That's the other part that keeps striking me, is that not necessarily that they won't still try things, but like when you're one of three giants, you're not scrappy anymore. You're a little less light. You want to protect what you've got a little bit more. And T-Mobile always has struck me in the U.S. as being like... (laughs) The magenta jumpsuits aside, it's still like we got nothing to lose. We're we're the uncarrier, right? We're going to break all these rules. Are they going to break any rules when they're just as big as AT and T?
1: Probably fewer. And the the uncarrier, they were they, they pioneered getting people into unlocked phones and making that really easy for you to do. You could always find a way to get an unlocked phone on a carrier, but T Mobile, you would go into the T Mobile store and they would say, "Here's how to get an unlocked phone. Here's how to bring the phone that you have to T Mobile. Here, here's a place you can go over here and Get a SIM card that will work with T-Mobile. I mean, they, they sort of they weren't hackers by any means, but there certainly was this. Uh, they knew that they were wrestling you away in, in from around here, mostly from AT and T. Although Verizon has sort of picked up a lot, but they knew that they were wrestling you away from a bigger, batter carrier, and that all they had to do, uh, aside from a little bit of a pr- help with price, which which never really was. The thing in my experience. It it hasn't been a lot of difference in terms of price. It was usually about features and just sort of the general feeling you had about uh, the company.
0: Yeah, it's... um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure anybody feels love for a carrier, just like they don't feel love for a cable company or a bank, or there's a whole category of things. But T-Mobile being scrappy, trying different things, I know definitely got a lot of customer loyalty. And again, if they could keep that up and have more resources, wouldn't that be great? I just... It just feels like human nature corporate hey corporations are humans sure we'll say that Mm -hmm. um that that, uh when you're bigger and you've got more to lose then you play it safe and 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 t-mobile has been fun to watch and good for customers because they have been competing and not letting their competition be comfortable and once they're in that competition sphere once they're big like that eh, maybe they'll get comfortable too
1: and yeah. the other thing is, I feel like there's a backdrop. So AT&T and Time Warner is, is in court right now. And that's a horizontal, a vertical merger, whereas T-Mobile Sprint is a uh, horizontal merger. But it'll be interesting to see whether the, the government's animus toward the Time Warner AT&T merger will have any sort of blowback in terms of the T-Mobile Sprint merger, even though they're very different kinds of mergers. It seems like the regulatory environment today, as we said before, is a bit unpredictable.
0: Yeah, I think the 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 mysterious question that everybody's going to have to ask, and as Stephen pointed out, none of us know the answer, is um, what's the end game if this happens and if it doesn't happen? Because I think all of us would probably say that three large carriers would be better than two large carriers. And if the argument is that these two carriers are not going to make it, they're not going to be relevant, they're just going to kind of. Um, I think I read somewhere that T-Mobile has shown a lot of subscriber growth the last couple of years, but it has come almost entirely at a uh, sprint cost that they're picking up the other little carriers people not making any headway against at and and verizon and that's the that's the 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 fear here is that you could end up with two carriers that are so weak that it's essentially a duopoly and that it may already be that for a, a lot of purposes and you know three big companies would be better than two but it it's not as good as four that thrive and the two scrappy underdogs that are... That. The problem is that Sprint is really not very healthy, right? Sprint is just kind of on its... uh, It's it's keeping things alive. I used to be a Sprint. Back when they deregulated long distance, I got oh, got a yeah. Sprint card. And that was a, such a great brand. And it's, it, it's on a, its last legs, I think, one way or another. So, you know, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what the government does because the government is... All over the place with allowing and disallowing things in the U.S. these days. So um, I I should mention, like I did at the top, that part of the government's judgment may be foreign control of these companies because Masayoshi's son, who at one point bought the company we worked for, Shelley, uh, he owns uh, through SoftBank. Uh, he he owns uh, Sprint or a big chunk of Sprint, but SoftBank also has investments all over the place, including in two Chinese companies that are uh, we've talked about on this show are in, in trouble: uh, ZTE and Huawei. It's
3: not a, not a good time to be those companies.
0: So you know, but of course, Japan being a friendly company, but then again, they blocked the Broadcom thing, which was from Singapore, which is also a friendly country, um, and then of course in uh, the Germans with their investment in T-Mobile. So, well, as you
1: mentioned, T-Mobile question. is the majority stakeholder in this one. Before, when this was plan- uh, proposed, Sprint was the majority. And that, that has—I hmm. I don't know that that is—it's enti- not entirely political, because as you say, Sprint is in trouble. But uh, it's probably more palatable that uh, T-Mobile is the public face. Um, the Germans antics, will be in charge. Yes, it's fine. Antics notwithstanding, perhaps it's a little bit more uh, more, more palatable. Like, I, I really did—Axios had a headline the other day that said that they were going to try and pitch this merger as somehow good for America. And I was so credulous about it. I just sort of didn't read that article. (laughs) I was like, really? Okay, sure.
0: All right. Well, more to come on this undoubtedly, whether it it succeeds or fails and, uh, and whether there are magenta jumpsuits for some or all we'll find out. Um, Let's uh, move on to our next topic. But before we do that, I want to uh, let you know about one of our sponsors for this week's episode. This episode of Download is brought to you by Timing. Timing is the automatic time tracking app for Mac OS. In today's fast-moving world, the next distraction is right around the corner. It makes it harder and harder to stay on track with your projects to determine how much you really worked on a given day. That's why you need an app to help you stay on top of your time. But manual time tracking is very disruptive. You have to literally stop the work that you're supposed to be tracking in order to track it. Timing... Automates your time tracking to save you as much time as possible. It automatically uh, tracks how much time you spend on your Mac broken down by app, by website. It doesn't just say, oh, you were in Safari. It says what websites you were on and you can categorize those differently. You can drag and drop to create rules that automatically categorize everything. Um, It also understands not all of your work happens on your Mac. That's why it's automatically going to suggest when you come back to your Mac after there's been a gap in your timeline, it'll say, hey, what were you just doing then? And it'll pop that. Right in. I've used timing a lot. I have to laugh because I come in on a Monday and it says how much work I did on Sunday, and that reminds me that sometimes I work every day of the week. Uh, and uh, but it's been great in order to give me some perception into lost hours. Sometimes I see like, what did I do this morning? Really, what was I really um, doing with my time? And I fear that I wasted it. And I was just staring at web pages and not doing any work. And sometimes I look in timing, and that's the case. And other times I'm reminded, oh yeah. I did actually work. I just didn't remember that or I didn't file it away under work in my own brain, but timing knew differently and said that was actually work. So that was very nice. Sometimes it makes me feel good and that I'm not totally lazy. <laughs> timing is so confident that you'll love their fuss-free approach. They offer a totally free trial, 14 days of timing, measuring what you're doing by going to timingapp.com slash download and you'll also save 10% when you buy it after the 14-day trial. Timing. Stop worrying about time and focus on doing your best work instead. Thank you to Timing for supporting Download. All right. Topic number two, Facebook. Another, I was going to say this was Facebook's big week, but given Mark Zuckerberg in front of Congress, it, the F8 development conference kind of a letdown, because we all I mean, like, they it's their big party. Everybody gets excited about Facebook, and this year, nobody is excited about Facebook.
3: But, there was still a lot of news this week. I was—I watched part of it, and I was a little thrown off when he didn't start every sentence with, Senator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was also probably not wearing that suit. He was wearing a t-shirt. And it
0: did not have the, the kind of like the glassy-eyed look of the deer in the headlights of... Uh, yeah, I, did he did he tell the audience that he would get back to them with answers at a later <laughs> time?
3: Oh man, it, you know he's did
1: uh, his note cards leak? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's you know,
0: right. Here is my
3: presentation. He said, pulling out a piece exactly. of paper yeah. to be photographed. Uh, right. I know we're going to talk about the news, but I did want to just interject for a second. Uh, credit where credit is due. And I don't like Facebook or Mark Zuckerberg, but he has come a long way in his stage presence. Like they've really done a good job of making him more comfortable. You look at some of those old ones. It, it was, he was not good, <laughs> but they've really he's done a good job with whoever is, is working with him to be more confident on stage and
0: so good and software upgrades. Better, for, yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> CEO Necessity
1: is the mother of invention as well. <laughs> he, he got yeah. the emotion chip fitted yeah. right? Really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw him. Where. I saw him here at South by Southwest several years ago in a fairly infamous uh, performance where, yes, the the awkwardness was it was uncomfortable to watch. Just very very uncomfortable.
0: So, yeah, well, so much of Facebook is yeah, awkward.
2: Not, not every company has the, 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 the sort of university that they send all their uh, – the internal thing where they send their presenters to to get them trained for yeah. being media ready. Which
1: is what they do with politicians and news pundits as well. So yeah. just keep that in mind as you're watching the, the tech Yes. giants sit in front of the senate
2: but
0: not podcasts no we no. are we're self-trained, authentic we are we 100%, 100% natural yeah. <laughs> that's right uh let's start with oculus because of course facebook owns oculus that's one of the things i'm always reminded of during f8 week is the tendrils of facebook that spread to you know instagram and oculus and places like that the oculus go is now for sale this is the standalone oculus headset Which it sounds like in the early reviews, um, you are getting basically like the equivalent of the mobile headset concept where you attach a phone, except you don't have to attach a phone. You just, it's sort of there. But this is obviously the long-term dream is not to tether yourself to a big box when you want to do VR but uh, it sounds like it's you know, it's got its limitations down now James, I'm going to throw this to you you are our VR expert because you're somebody <laughs> I know who has uh, at least a PSVR and you've, you've played games in it and, and uh, I'm, what's your take on the Oculus Go stuff?
2: Yeah, so I didn't realize one of the things about this is it doesn't have the kind of outside in head tracking stuff, so it doesn't actually track you leaning in or moving around a space or anything like that it's just basic, you know, you can rotate your head around. I'm not going to rotate my head as I say that because I'm in front of a microphone. But um, I had that confused. They've got another one, the Santa Cruz headset, which I think is a a more advanced thing. So yeah, this is basically a Gear VR without needing the Samsung Galaxy part. You know, it's a I think it's a slightly higher resolution than the PlayStation VR, but a worse screen. But it's it's a mobile processor, a mobile graphics thing. It's not going to be able to do the sort of high-end gaming stuff that i think people would want and uh i mean the price is low it's two hundred dollars or something like that but they're they're trying to kind of position this because i think they they know that this is not the sort of killer gaming thing so they, they've got all these things like there's the oculus tv they announced at this which is it, it's like you can watch your netflix and your espn your showtime with a thing on your face
0: i I don't understand this. I know that this is a thing that people, at least the people selling this are excited about, but the idea that you would strap a thing to your face so that you could look at a virtual screen that is, because it's VR in its early days, is this kind of weird, grainy, low-resolution I, I mean, experience. The, I, I've
2: got it on... The, the PlayStation VR will do this, and you can watch your YouTube or whatever on it. And, I mean, the quality is not bad, and you can have, you know, your giant movie size screen, but... Unless you live alone, you know you're sitting there in a room with like a thing strapped to your face, and this is not a, uh, you know, they, they keep uh, talking about the, the the social potentials of, of these things, you know, that they're going to have all this interaction or whatever, but it's like it is the exact opposite of social interaction, um, and. Yeah, I don't see the point. And they've got the, the Oculus Venues thing, which is for live performances or sports or something, which makes some more degree of sense. You know, you can sit in the crowd of whatever game, and that I could see. But the the 2D flat stuff, I mean, it's like TVs are not horrendously expensive things these days. So, you know, do you really need to... Watch a virtual TV watch instead of, virtual of the TV? Actual TV? Yeah. Hmm.
1: I guess it seems like the price is the important part because it's low enough that people who haven't gotten into VR yet... Will do so whether they find it to be a compelling product on its own, or whether they simply go, "Oh, VR. Now I get it. I've put one of these on my head. It doesn't have the the phone. It's not quite as expensive." And that seems like it, it's sort of a positioning thing. I don't even, and I, I'm not a VR VR user, so the product specs thing is is not something I can comment intelligently on. But it does seem like at the price of $200, and presumably there will be follow-ons in in similar in a similar range, you're going to get more people interested in thinking. About about what VR can do. Just as a side note, uh, I was at a conference on accessibility technology about a month ago and they've adapted, these happen to be the Samsung Gear, uh, Gear VR headsets, but they've adapted them to uh, provide support for people with low vision. So you put the thing on your head and it, it magnifies, you can see what's on the phone, which I was like, oh, that's a clever idea. And these, of course, still have the phone in them and and, and there are lots of reasons, uh, including the ones James mentioned, that it's a problem because you don't exactly, it's not fashion forward to have a ski goggles on your head uh, as you're traveling through space trying to uh, I- I understand your environment. But uh, it's fascinating the use to which the technology is being put outside simply providing uh, a VR experience. And I, I will uh, accept the opinion of those who, who want to use VR for high-end gaming that this isn't their device, but it feels like it's important that something like this find a place in the market for people who are not as experienced or require as much uh as power and high resolution as you guys do.
2: I mean, one of the other things is, you know, we, as we said, we have to remember this is Facebook. And one of the things they're pushing for these devices is, you know, sort of more social interaction stuff and more kind of the kind of what you would call data gathering type activities that, you know, Facebook bought Oculus for. I mean, they spent a a lot of money and they're not just doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. Um, So, I still have this sort of low-level uh, distrust slash paranoia about their, their motivations for doing this. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, I, the the price is right. You know, I, I looked at it and I, I did actually, I typed, you know, I'm not interested in this, and then I went and looked at the website to see if it was available in the UK yet, <laughs> uh, just out of curiosity. You know, I, I'd i be tempted. I mean, the, the things have got, I think it's like a sort of, Two to three hour battery life on them, so you know you're not going to be sat inside it for a whole day because it just doesn't do it uh, that level of battery life. Um, but I, I just, yeah, it, it's it's when you see the sort of the the shots of whatever conferences where they have every attendee sitting there with one on their faces and it looks like some that's just weird. It's some, <laughs> some dystopian sci-fi yeah, future. This is
0: a, just a cult now. Yeah, we've just created cults.
2: Um, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of VR. I think it, it is a fascinating thing. Um, but there's, there are a number of social aspects to it in the sense of, you know, there's no way you can get to that without having a big thing strapped to your face, which, automatically excludes everybody else who might be sitting next to.
1: So so you wear it when you don't want somebody on the plane next to you to talk to you. I
2: I I, I have seen oh somebody <laughs> sitting on the subway wearing one of these things and
1: No that does that's not good that is, and, that's and my it's like the,
2: this is this is not good at any level.
0: No, definitely not. I'm glad you mentioned accessibility Shelly because that is I mean it's obviously something that you write and talk about but um, I had that thought too that I would think that in certain circumstances, especially you mentioned low vision, having a, a device that you can put on that lets you really customize and fit your your full vision. And I, I would think that there would be some really interesting applications for that. It's not for everybody, but um, that there might be some ways to apply this that, yeah, they go beyond games and social, but they might actually be able to improve Tech interaction for certain people who have uh, vision issues.
1: Yeah, and and frankly, just in general, accessibility technology is doing a better job of commod- producti- productizing things that are essentially commodities. Instead of building all this custom stuff, right. they're able to go buy VR headsets and say, "I know, let's make it into a magnifier. Let's make it into a means for watching television." That that is an application where it's a it's a great way for somebody who can't necessarily see across the room to, to watch TV. And right. I, I I point that out, like I say, totally as an aside but the fact is that as those things become cheaper they become more uh, applications that you might not necessarily have thought of that aren't literally VR applications and that may may have some AR applications, may have some other right. uh, ways of enhancing uh, reality. And and frankly, it makes those of us who aren't sure how VR is going to interact with with vision issues a little less freaked out about that possibility.
2: <laughs> one of the things with this uh, headset is because I think it's so close to a Gear VR, it basically inherits the entire Gear VR software library which is you know a couple of thousand titles or something but there is some question as how many people are going to write software specifically for this device you know that doesn't seem to be main from you know the entertainment side that doesn't seem to be main uh, big companies doing games w- would
1: facebook it. fund that sort of thing though
2: um i think oculus has had a sort of publishing program where they've invested money into comp- like basically paid people to do games for their headset especially when the their original headset uh was going on but yeah i i imagine they're going to do some things like that but it's it is a case of paying
3: people to do it i, I do think it's interesting the you're know, talking about these new types of content in vr and i'm not particularly interested in in much of it but i'm definitely not a gamer and so as long as vr is closely tied to gaming it's something that i'm going to write off immediately but i could see a future where Hey, you know, like if you want to go to an NBA game with a bunch of your college buddies and you all yeah. live in different places. like But you've got virtual, <clears throat> virtual front row seat. Right. Like that sort yeah. of thing is, I think, more, more interesting to more people, you know, expanding that base of potential customers. Whether they're going to be successful in that or not, I don't know. But I do think they're being smart about, okay, let's expand the footprint of consumers that, that may be interested in these different types of content. You know, you could see a thing where you know, they're doing gaming and they're doing all these sports stuff, but like what if there's you know, hey, uh, you know, we talked a lot about in the past about VR being like an education and training tool like in like industry. But, you know, what if my favorite chef is doing some sort of like class and I can you know, I can join in, like I mean there's all sorts of things out there based in the content world mm-hmm. far beyond gaming and that I think is pretty exciting to watch.
0: I mean the as much as I laugh at the watching a movie in VR if it was watching a movie with friends where we could hear each other and see an avatar of each other, maybe, yeah. but while we're watching the movie and we could be talking, and then it was like, you know, we're not going to get yelled at because we're not in a movie theater. <laughs> I said,
3: Alma Draft House had a very strict no talking yeah, rule. So oh, they're yeah. very don't hardcore. Yes. I, I like the way that you could turn in people like
2: quietly. You could just leave a note and say. These people are to be ejected. Yeah. yeah, and by the
1: way, please bring me a nice craft beer. Yeah. yeah, that's right,
0: and they did, and I, I drank it, and it was good. Anyway, I that I could see some things like that, but let's move on um, to other weird things that happened this week with Facebook, Facebook and dating. What could go wrong? Um, the the they're going to add dating features, but it's going to be a separate dating profile. They're going to look at common interests and events to group people together. You can chat directly. You won't ever be paired with somebody who's already on your friends list, which is kind of good. Although I do wonder if they're going to be, like on a genealogy site, if they're going to say, you know, you're one step away. <laughs> you're two steps away from a friend. Beware. Or a relative. Beware. That would be also, like, don't know. You can't, No, don't you, date. You, do you want co- date your cousin? I,
3: I live really close to Arkansas. There could be a market. Ooh. Well, I'm well, sorry. Perhaps that's
1: an opt-in thing.
3: I'm sorry, Arkansas. We
0: apologize to Arkansas. Very sorry. So, uh, and, and when you're at an event with somebody you can share your full facebook profile now obviously there have been dating things out there for as long as and before facebook was even out there but facebook has kind of refrained and i know that there are a lot of people who reacted to this news just sort of thinking oh great just what we need is to stick dating inside of facebook so that people who use facebook are now going to be you know potentially bugged by people who want to go out on dates for them it sounds like that's not quite what it is but i'm wondering what you all think of the idea that um that Facebook could, uh, like, is, is this going to work? Is Facebook getting in dating going to actually work? Because they're big, but they're not big in dating. And there's already, they, dating has already been weaponized by everybody else. So. Well,
2: I mean, uh, the, if you look at the, the stock of Match Group who do, like, OkCupid and things, that dropped 17% on it's the announcement. Yeah. so you know i clearly people think that they may be able to do something but i mean my my response to this although you know i'm I'm not particularly interested in dating apps but it, it's uh i i don't want to give more personal information to facebook you know in the current climate i'm looking at how i'm going to limit right. information it's like no let's just give you know every you know aspect of my life to them um and i i well, I kind of hope that people will have a certain resistance to that. I I don't know if that's true of the wider world. But, yeah, I I mean, it makes sense. You know, Facebook wants to sort of connect people and, and be this sort of, you know, never leave the site kind of thing.
3: But, well, and they have the largest social graph on planet Earth. Exactly. Right? It, their user base dwarfs everything else. And so for, I think maybe for people who have been through these other services and have had... Maybe Mixed Luck. Like why not cast a, a wider net? I mean, they've said that this is not like a sort of Tinder-style thing. They're going for
2: was Long, it? long-term Meaning, relationships. I don't know what that means in the
1: context. I mean, that's it's something he said, but it's not something that's proven out by what's been shown so far. Of right. The site. Like, like
3: how do you, yeah? How do you design a product? I mean, people are going to use it for hookups. Like, let's just be honest. Like right? that's what
1: the guy who invented Facebook as a college site for rating the attractiveness of his colleagues in college is now saying that he wants to promote long-term relationships. Okay. So, so,
2: Maybe, maybe I have so
1: many snarky takes that's just one maybe one of the features of this
2: is you, they're getting back to their core values of rating people out of 10 there you go
1: well and of course Facebook is is uh, largely uh, it, now all the I've read a number of articles that indicate that Facebook has essentially become the correspondent in a lot of divorces. So I guess we're getting in on the other end of the equation now. You get them together, then you break them apart. That's
0: a horizontal integration yeah. Of, yeah. of relationships,
1: right? And then, and then, lastly, so what we really need in Facebook is more levels of complexity in building our profile and privacy settings. I mean, come on. Because wait, do I want to be dating? Do I want to be exposed to the dating part of the app, but only to this level of my friends? Even though he says, "Well, not my friends." Well, what if you begin dating somebody? At some point, they're going to become your friend. And so it's complicated. Yeah.
0: And there's this whole idea of the dating profile, but like how separate can they be ultimately? Because the whole point of Facebook is they're using the leverage of their existing data and their existing graph. And so it can't be that separate or it's just, they might as well just launch some other dating site and, I mean, That's not what they're doing. They're, right. and, it's and, in Facebook. And, and
1: that's the last thing. So you're giving over a whole nother uh, bucket of data to Facebook as far as your dating habits, your peccadillos. Even right. if and they know it's you. Yes, they know it's you. And even if you're not swiping to rate a la Tinder, you are engaging in behaviors and providing information on your profile and opting in or out of relationships in, in Facebook, and that provides them an awful lot of data in terms of whether it's psychographic or it doesn't yeah. have and to be selling you a product. It's, a, it's an awful lot of data, and you have
2: to assume that this, is, in turn, is going to feed back into the advertising platform, sure. and people are going to be able to say, "Yeah, I want to advertise to people who have, have this a very date, specific Friday night. Probably, you'd like or, some hair
1: care products or some new clothing yeah. or."
2: Um. I think we're all quite cynical <laughs> about then
0: again, this. Then again, we have a lot of people here who are uh, who are not people who who participate. We're not in in the, we're not the demo. In, we're, we're not in, in the, the dating, <laughs> dating pool in the dating right. world. So there's that too. I've been married 24 years. I find all of this stuff fascinating, and yet also
2: I'm completely disconnected. Is <laughs> fascinating
0: from it. the right word? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I mean, socially,
2: it is. Uh, yeah, it's from, just not a from world from the perspective I of not having to take part in it, and yeah. yeah. But, yeah, that
1: makes it much more fun not having to take part. I, I, to be I'm assuming that this is
2: going to be a, a free service. You know, oh, I sure. Right. I, I, m- oh, my, of course. My, I, yeah. Is OKCupid something you pay for, or is that a free thing? Oh boy, I, gonna I gonna don't actually. Know. I don't
1: know. I know Match. You pay for like you you get some level of information. Then, if you want to proceed further, you have to pay for a membership. But I don't know about OKCupid.
0: Yeah. So again,
1: not the demo. <laughs> All right.
0: Well, now that we've talked about about dating, let's talk about data. <laughs> that was not intentional, but there we go.
3: Well done, sir.
0: Yeah, And I don't also mean the Star Trek The Next Generation character that oh, Mark too bad. Zuckerberg resembles. <laughs> um, well done, sir. <laughs> uh, but it's a hotel room. Anyway, Facebook is going to let people opt out of its collection and use of uh, at least some of their data from that they gather when you're browsing the web. Um, which they then target ads. This is the this is the effect where you go to some website to look at some product, and then ads follow you around the web, saying, "Yeah, you looked at that product. You really looked at that product. Do you are you sure you don't want to buy it?" And Facebook's not the only ones who do this, but they do it. Um, so the, the, this seems to be some fallout from the the Cambridge Analytica story that they're going to let you clear your website history and turn it off and things like that. And this is a what they say the start of some of this. And again, the question is going to be how much of a difference will this make in practice and how much of it is just kind of a fig leaf because they got called for their practices
2: and, and people noticed what they were doing. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, so I already opt out of Facebook collecting my browsing history by blocking all their analytics packages. That'll do uh, it. Um, I mean, yeah, this lets you say, don't collect anymore and it lets you clear what they've already stored, but it's not clearing all the sort of other data That Facebook has on you which is the I think the interesting thing it's like yeah I know what my browsing history is and well they might know what my browsing history is but it's more the oh we paid for your credit card records and we have worked out this and we're you know when you download your Facebook data that's the stuff you don't get you get all the data you've given them but not the data they have on you right
1: Right. And I also feel like, as with so many opt-out in things in Facebook, there's going to be a subset of people that will opt out of this and will feel good about having done so. We're all probably amongst that group. And there are an awful lot of people that won't do it. And one of the reasons they won't do it is because the layers of settings and privacy in, in Facebook are still difficult to navigate and manage. And I also think this is something that could evolve over time. So this button exists today. It might not exist in the same way in a year. And if you ask them, hey, what about the opt-out provision? Well, we've We've changed that a little bit. Market conditions, blah, yeah. blah, blah. We
2: feel that customers like
1: to be yeah, tracked. Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
2: We've improved your
0: customer experience. Exactly. The um, the Speaking of Cambridge Analytica, by the way, they uh, and their parent companies are apparently going out of business. Um, I one of, The way I'm going to put this is, you know, when you uh, turn the lights on, the roaches scurry away. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but then you turn them back off. And then they come back. So, I mean, no, these people aren't, like, retiring to an island right. somewhere with the money that they made yeah, we, we and have, violating we, everyone's we privacy. We have, you know,
2: had this epiphany, and we've decided that collect yeah. collecting people's data and influencing elections is just yeah, not we, for us we are bad,
0: and what we did was bad, and we've thought about it, and we'll never're uh, we make ever a, do it a, again a hospital for children in, now. In I hear the, the corporations com- that
3: we've previously incorporated yeah. I hear the
1: computer data is quite portable uh like uh yeah, we'll put it all on a thumb drive and carry it away
3: <laughs> yeah i'm sure I'm sure this crowd will be back, right, but I do think it's interesting that the market spoke so strongly about this, like their press their press release is basically like effectively all of our customers went away. <laughs> Which like, I'm glad the market's doing what it's supposed to do, but these people are not going to disappear, right? I think it, it was a very lucrative business, a very, a very clearly one that had a lot of power in the world, so I expect they'll be yeah, back. I, I think
2: our customers have decided that they do not want to be associated with this because it's going to make them look bad, so please, you know... Change the name.
1: Now doing business as. Yeah. F-
2: file the serial numbers off. I, I mean, the, the thing that came to mind was um, in the UK, we had the worst nuclear accident in the 50s, which was with the Windscale nuclear power plant. And it soon became the Sellafield nuclear power plant because, you know, it's completely safe. And that one didn't Just blow up.
3: <laughs> Slap a paint, uh, uh, you know, a layer of lead paint on that thing and move yeah. on. You'll be yeah. fine.
0: Yeah, well, nothing goes wrong with lead paint. Well, it's a no.
3: nuclear reactor. You, you know, you need some separation.
0: Yeah. That's, no, it's solid.
3: I don't have a physics degree. All
0: right, we have more to talk about, but we also have one more sponsor. Uh, which, in given that we're in Austin, Texas, I think it's fitting that our next sponsor is meat. <laughs> and it is this episode of Download is brought to you by a new sponsor, Butcher Box. The people who deliver thoroughly, thoughtfully, thoroughly, and thoughtfully sourced meat directly to your door. You can. It's great when I say a word wrong in reading an ad when Stephen is here because he can glare at me. You can enjoy healthy grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, and heritage-breed pork. Plus, butcher box meats come from humanely raised animals that are never fed antibiotics, hormones, or fatty fillers. Here's how it works. Each butcher box comes with at least eight... 11 pounds of meat which is enough for 24 individual meals you can choose from five different box types including a custom box where you choose exactly how much you need and what you and your family will love that's great we had some specific needs in our household and they were met and uh, it was really awesome to get the uh, the box and it was full of uh, meat that we could eat Meat is frozen at the peak of freshness in individual vacuum-packed, biodegradable packaging. It's shipped for free with dry ice to make sure it stays frozen after it reaches your doorstep. I took the remnants of the dry ice and put hot water on them and made a giant smoke machine in my Science. kitchen. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was totally awesome. You can think of ButcherBox as your neighborhood butcher with their quality beef, chicken, and pork delivered right to your door and the option to choose how often you get deliveries. Plus, you can find recipes on the ButcherBox website or follow along with the videos on the ButcherBox youtube channel Um, i did get a box full of meat full of beef and chicken steven i know that you got a box of meat too Um, it was after the science project was over where i made the uh, i should have turned on some like heavy metal while i had the smoke machine going in the uh in the kitchen it was super awesome though i have to say (laughs) um and the the meat was you know frozen solid so no worries about it being in a box that was shipped in the mail it was it was hard as a rock went straight in the freezer. And then uh, we we got out some uh, ch- I think it was chicken thighs. I actually used my immersion uh, circulator, my sous machine, to thaw it, and then we marinated it and cooked it up, and it was great. But um, just a little pro tip that nothing thaws meat faster than a, an immersion circulator with the heat turned off. So that,
3: that's, that was my tip. Did you what What did you have? Uh, the first thing I had was a steak because I felt fancy. You know, this thing showed up in <laughs> yeah, my yeah. door. I was like, I think I want a There's steak. There's steak in this box. I think yeah. I want a steak for dinner. And because it's all individually wrapped, I could just have leave one out to thaw and all the rest is frozen waiting for me to get back. Uh, but I was impressed. Thumbs up for me.
0: Yeah, and there was there, there were steaks in the box. There was uh, ground beef in the box. Uh, we had chicken breasts, chicken thighs in ours. Um, like I said, they they also offer pork, but we didn't get that because we uh, customized it because we were no no pork house. Same. Yeah. So that that's nice too that they know you can pick from their selection or set up your own. Okay. Speaking of pork, for those who do <laughs> like pork and who I, I like it,
3: we just don't eat it.
0: You can get free bacon. Free bacon. This is the best podcast ad offer ever. Free bacon. I
3: gotta say, in four years of owning Relay FM, this is by far the best offer we've ever had. Yeah. So bacon. F-
0: Free bacon and 20 dollars off your first box by going to butcherbox.com/download and enter code download that's butcherbox.com/download and code download for free bacon and 20 dollars off your first box thank you to Butcherbox for their support of the show and for all that meat that's in my freezer and Steven's freezer and frankly for the uh, the smoke machine that I got to enjoy. Um, story. No free
1: bacon in the podcast guest green room, I'm just saying.
3: Yeah, I really <laughs> I should have thought ahead to provide free bacon for all. I feel bad. It's my hotel room. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry.
0: Uh, time for the story you might have missed. This is a story that may have flown under your radar, but I think it's worth mentioning in this case because I think the ramifications are going to continue for some time. On Monday, the California Supreme Court ruled that companies that employ people to do things like work on the core business of that company People who are not running an independent operation on their own. In other words, people who are employees are, in fact, employees and not independent contractors. This is a big deal for Lyft and Uber and potentially for just about every company in the so-called gig economy, which in the 21st century is potentially the entire economy. This isn't the first time something like this has happened. Several states have made similar rulings. Microsoft was bitten by a similar case. My past employer was... A super stickler after the Microsoft thing in terms of making sure that uh, beyond a certain point, people could not be contractors for us. They either needed to be employees or we needed to find someone else to pitch in because they didn't want to be caught in this case. But California's economy is huge, so it's a big deal there. It's where many tech companies are based. And of course, so many of the tech companies that we talk about on this show and that everybody's observing out there are are talking a big game about the uh, the gig economy and um you know the fact is that we have a thing that we think of as what an employee is and there are rights and benefits that come along with that and a lot of companies said well we don't really want to do that and this is an interesting place where i think society, society has to decide what do you get as a key worker at the core of, the, of someone's business um and what rights do you have there because Obviously, there is this push and pull between businesses that don't want to have core workers and not give them benefits that we think of as belonging to them. It's going to be something to watch because this is a case where a lot of business models could potentially be upended.
2: I mean, um, when I was at Apple 20 years ago in Cork, probably about half the employees there were contractors. And they came in every day. They sat at a cubicle. You know, a manager told them what they were going to be doing that day. And it's like, you're indistinguishable from an employee. You know, you just don't have the same rights. And you don't have, like, in in this case, um, you know, my wife couldn't get a, a visa to come to the States because, oh, you're not an employee. You know, you're just this random person that happens to have come in every day and, and do the work we give you.
0: Yeah, one of the things in this ruling is you need to be... Not in the core business. So if you're a driver for Uber and Uber's core business is driving people around, that is a failure. But one of them is under direction. Under direction. And that is where in your wife's story, like if you're coming in 9 to 5 and have a manager telling you what to do every day, you're not an independent contractor at that point. Yeah. Yeah that it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense and the and the uh what is the third one the third one is that they're running an independent operation on their own which is the idea that you have many clients and you do the same work for all sorts of different people and that as a you know as a freelance writer that is a thing where you know you should if if 100% of your writing is for one group that's when my hr person back at IDG would get on me and say that person is an employee so you either need to they need to diversify or you need to hire them or you need to give them less work because right now 100%
2: of what they do is you that is what an employee is i mean you say that you know public opinion is the thing that's going to be deciding this and it's like you know realistically if all these people become employees prices are going to go up because, you know, the, the money has to come from somewhere. And is the public opinion going to say, well, you know, I think these people should have rights, et etc." et cetera, but I don't really want to pay more for my services. And Well, nobody wants to pay for anything, right? Well, but that's like, true. You could, you, could have all,
0: you could have them all be employees and have their, in the U.S., have their employers provide their health care. You could also have the government provide health care, so no business has to provide it. Either way, somebody's going to pay.
3: Yeah.
1: It's worth pointing out that in the contract software development biz, there is an existing structure for people who are, are contractors typically you work for the Contracting company as an employee that's how You get insurance benefits and all The things that you would expect an employee and then you go To IBM or Apple or Google Or Facebook or whoever and you do the work And I think that has everything to do with Market demand those people are making Quite a lot of money per hour they're Valuable to the company because they May cost the company that where they do Their work not the company that's employing in the contract Company they may end up costing them less in the Long run because they don't not, not so much because they don't have to provide benefits, but they because they don't have to have the, the HR infrastructure or the yearly evaluation infrastructure, all those things that go into making an employee. But this ruling is going to be much more important for Uber and Lyft drivers and TaskRabbit people and, and folks who are not in a position to make as high a demand in the market as people who are, are software developers.
2: And one of the other things with this is this, this original court case, it's for a company, Dynamex, I don't know exactly what they did, but the original case took 10 years to go through the legal system.
0: Yeah, I think they were a I think they're a package delivery company and the idea was that they're drivers, they considered independent contractors even though the entire business is predicated on the idea that drivers are delivering packages. That's
1: what but, Amazon does. They have an awful lot of independent contractors. Yeah when, and, that's
0: when you when the guy g- just gets out of his random car and comes and brings a box to your house, which is yeah. like this seems wrong. I and mean, it's like that's Amazon's right and, doing and in that. those
1: cases it's not only the issue of benefits, it's the issue of working conditions. It's the issue of how many packages do I have to deliver in a defined Period of time can I be fired if I don't right. meet a quota? That's then I'm reason. using
2: my car
1: yeah.
0: to do
2: this yeah. for Amazon, and but the thing with this, you know, the, the law seems to be move quite slowly on stuff like yeah. this. And there's always going to be companies like Uber or whatever who are effectively trying to bypass what laws they have. And it's like, okay, we'll get a court case. But in you know a decade later, we'll go, okay, maybe we'll change. Right. But
0: once the California Supreme Court rules against this this company that was when, when Uber was just the glint in somebody's eye, Travis Kalanick's eye, uh, this company was doing this, and now Uber may be the ones to bear the brunt because the state of California has basically said, we're going to close this off. And there there will be more cases and there will be more discussion, but this does potentially change the game. And as we know from some of the discussion about uh, the car pollution standards in the United States, California is such a large chunk of the U.S. economy that – you know you if if the, this becomes the rule there it's going to be unlikely that companies operating in the united states are going to have one set of rules for in california and massachusetts and uh, new york or wherever the other state is that has this as a rule now and one rule for everything else it's more likely that they'll just
2: standardize on what 25% of the of the nation's economy is already ruled. But, I mean, also, you can see with Uber investing heavily into autonomous car stuff. Right. They want to the, get rid of those the, the, drivers are, anyway. The, you know, until the computers are the ones who are having the court cases, mm. you know. That's a great Star Trek episode, though. Major of a Man. <laughs> you can
0: check it out. The ultimate ultimate in uh, employee court cases. We're back to data again, too. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the fuzzy puppy update because we've talked and talked in person which has been great and we're almost at the end. The fuzzy puppy story of this week comes from a listener and this is great and it's behavior I want to encourage because Stephen and I do a lot of work looking for puppy stories and fuzzy stories and happy stories and sometimes it's hard to find them. It is. So listener Arthur sent us a fuzzy puppy story and it's great. It's from the National Football League of all places you would not expect fuzzy puppies to come from there and it is of course draft related which makes me very happy. Uh, Shuck Shaquem Griffin, who is a linebacker from the University of Central Florida, was drafted in the fifth round of the NFL draft by the Seattle Seahawks. Now, Shaquem Griffin had his left hand amputated when he was four years old, but it didn't stop him from excelling as a football player. Even better, his identical twin brother is already on the Seahawks. So it's a fun story. It's got a lot of angles. It's inspirational. Um you know, a lot of linebackers that play if they've got an injury. They play with their hand taped up, so you can. It's not a position that requires him to do this and obviously at UCF he was a, uh, a, a, an excellent linebacker enough to be drafted in the fifth round now fifth round draft picks not going to walk their way onto the team they're going to have to earn it but he is clearly no stranger to working hard and overcoming the odds so I would not bet against him and he'll have his brother there for support too so that's pretty cool something from uh, from the world of the National Football League that I think even people who don't know what American football is might find appropriately fun. it's like soccer but better I'm sorry,
3: the rest of the world. Oh, no.
2: Oh, my God. I, I have no great love
0: for soccer. We're, you can say what you He's like. trying we're,
3: to start some
1: sort of controversy, yeah. and it's not working. I don't want to.
0: Don't at, I was don't at if, me. I was at,
3: if James would come across the table, but he did not. No, because no. he doesn't care. No.
0: no, he's one of those UK-type people who uh, does not care about sport, as they say over there. All right. What to look out for in the week ahead. Hey, Stephen, anything happening next week that we should be paying attention to?
3: Google I.O. And Microsoft Builder next week. The same, they overlap by what, three days. What if I'm a Google developer and a Microsoft developer?
0: You're going to be dead. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Well, choose wisely, developers, because you there can be only one, I guess. That's a Highlander reference, not a Star Trek one at all. Okay.
2: That's the end of download. James Thompson, where can people find the stuff that you do? Um, you can find me on Twitter at james Thompson thompson without a P. Uh, go to com if you're interested in my software. Um, it, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here in person, and I just had the idea that maybe we can do this with our Oculus headsets on, so we can have the virtual <laughs> hotel room yeah. that we podcast I, in. I have to admit, we ha- there was a moment in today's show where
0: I did think that there is something to be possibly gleaned from generating podcast material by watching like watching a movie in virtual reality. You could like record that, and then mm. the. I don't know. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Well, thank you for being here in person. And Shelly Brisbane, thank you for coming over. When I knew we were going to be in Austin, I thought this is perfect because we love having Shelly on the show, and she can be here in person, and you're here. So I thank you.
1: I appreciate you having me, and it was a, a trip of a one whole mile to get here, so I went through <laughs> great effort and struggle, but I, I thank you. Uh, People can follow me on Twitter at Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-Y, yes, 2007 Twitter account. Uh, You can also buy my book about iOS accessibility at iosaccessbook.com.
0: Excellent. And Stephen Hackett, thank you for helping put the show together, as always, and for being across the table from me, as rarely.
1: It's
3: fun, though. I always enjoy it. Yeah,
0: it's great. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this special recorded live episode. We'll be back next week in our own little places with our own little microphones, but... Uh, Until then, we'll be watching those headlines from various developer conferences, probably, so you don't have to. Bye, everybody.